Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It robs you of the simple joys of life. It drains your motivation to the point where... You can't get out of bed. It's seeing darkness where there should be light. Feeling despair when you should f- feel hope. Depression is a common condition. You don't have to go through it alone. AWARE provides support, education and information for people impacted by depression and bipolar disorder. Find out more this AWARE Mental Health Week, October 4th to 10th. See aware.ie. You know the final score. Now listen to the NFL podcast that tells you why it happened. Do they have a skill or trait that is going to allow them to survive? Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli, and me, Bob Wischusen. We're tape heads going inside the coaching tape and giving fans the answers. Regardless of what the hierarchy is, folks need to be servants to the head coach. Listen to tape heads on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers. Each week, I invite a special guest such as Paul McCartney, Glenn Close, or Michael Caine to discuss their food memories, what they cook, the restaurants they choose, and the food they seek when comfort is needed. Years ago, it was sausage and mash. Yes. Now it's caviar. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Vice News Reports. I'm your host, Ariel Zumros. This is the third and final episode in our series about guns in schools. Last time on Armed. How dare we tell someone who was willing to lay down their own life, you're not allowed to have the tools to live instead. You have to just kind of retrain yourself a lot of things that you do. If you're not just a little bit sick and twisted, this is probably not a job for you. For this series, our reporter Jen Kinney has been looking into schools that are arming their staff across the country. And we knew she had to go to Florida. Because in Florida, state law requires that at least one person be armed in every public school. Hey, Ariel, it's Jen. I'm heading to Florida today. It is the first week of school there, and the governor in Florida has said that any schools that don't reopen in person will lose their funding. So I want to see how COVID safety precautions are butting up against all the other kinds of safety and security we've been talking about. So 
Uh, I'm about to get on the plane. I've got my N95 mask, taken all the precautions. I'm a little bit nervous. I haven't been on a plane yet, but um, here we go. Jen will take the story from here. This is episode three, The Guardians. Okay, I'm pulling up at an elementary school in North Florida. Okay, so we're here this morning at one of our elementary schools, and it is uh, drop-off time on the second day of school. It's early August, and I'm at a school in a small town where the highways are lined with stands selling oranges and mangoes. And as you can see, everything's going very smoothly. This is the head of safety and security, David. He's supposed to protect schools in his district from all kinds of threats. We're only using David's first name, and we'll get into why later. David's in a white dress shirt and slacks. He's got close-cropped hair, and he's standing at the gated entrance to an elementary school. Certainly, we are um, fortunate to have some volunteers and have our local sheriff's department here. David's not wearing a mask, and he's shaking hands with the sheriff's deputy and an elderly man who's helping kids off the bus. Fear usually comes from the uncertainty, and a lot of people didn't even think that we would open back up right now. In fact, we're one of the first schools in the state to open up this early. On the week that I visited, this county had just hit a new high. More than 50 new coronavirus cases in one day. So about a quarter of students chose virtual school or homeschooling instead of coming back in person. Raise your hand and say, who do I belong But in other ways, it felt like any other year. Parents taking photos, teachers trying to get kindergartners into classrooms. I meet the principal, the assistant principal, I pass a bunch of teachers and aides. And as David walks me around, I ask him, are any of his staff carrying guns? From the time we came in the gate this morning, you've had at least three people that have walked by you that are carrying weapons. And I never would have known? Never would have known. to ask about armed teachers because I'd done all this research, but I wanted to know how much parents knew about it. So I get in touch with one parent there. It's absolutely ridiculous. The whole thing is just a mess. It's a horrible, horrible mess. This is Belle. That's not her real name. 37 years old. I have three daughters that attend school. Belle is a self-described germaphobe. In the spring, when businesses closed because of the pandemic, she was laid off from her job at IHOP. So she started selling PPE on her front lawn. Because I have, like, the hazmat suits, the N95s, KN95s. So I really have, like, a large arsenal. She was so unhappy with her daughter's school's reopening plans and how badly the school communicated with her about it that she decided not to send her kids back in person. Finding out. Understand that you received an ultimatum, open your brick and mortar or lose your funding. But my kids will not be your crash dummies, you know. I I don't have any faith in our school system. Let me ask you a question. This is not related to COVID, but I'm curious. When they decided to join the Guardian program a couple of years ago, did they communicate about that with parents? What is the Guardian program? So schools in Florida, since the shooting in Parkland, have been required to have someone armed in every school. 
I tell her that, according to David, who showed me around her daughter's elementary school, there are around 30 staff members, teachers and admins, who are anonymously armed in the school district. You know, honestly, I had no idea. I had no idea that they even did that. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. But I'm not sure how much people realize that's going on. I have no idea. I am probably one of the more hands-on parents. Like, I've never missed a a parent-teacher meeting. I'm there for open house. I'm there first day of school, last day of school. And this is the first time that I've heard about that. She remembers hearing about it on the news after Parkland. Pens, markers, and a gun. That's what some Florida lawmakers want teachers to be armed with in the classroom. From what I recall, I thought that was shot down. Like, it was like, well, no, big negative, you know. But that law did pass. And for two years now, staff at her daughter's school have been armed. But here we are a couple of years later, and it's like anything else. People forget. It's not a secret, though. When I visited the school, David showed me a sign right next to the front door. Big, bold type, hard to miss. It says the County School District participates in the Coach Aaron Feist Guardian Program. The Coach Aaron Feist Guardian Program. That's the law that lets Florida teachers be armed. And it happened in large part thanks to this guy. The county was quiet. The folks were safe. And everybody knew the sheriff had come to town. Sheriff Grady Judd. Now, the weekly podcast with the outspoken and uncompromising Sheriff of Polk County. Sheriff Grady Judd. Sheriff Judd's county, Polk County, is smack dab in the middle of Florida, between Tampa and Orlando. It's home to Legoland, Florida. And Judd has been its elected sheriff for 15 years. So um, as soon as you hear the sheriff, uh, you'll have the sheriff. Okay, thanks. All right, I'm here. Hey, Jen Kenny. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful, wonderful. Judd's not your average cowboy hat-wearing, mustachioed sheriff. He actually looks more like a professor. And he's been an adjunct at a local college. Local media fawns over Judd for what he calls telling it like it is. He intended to have a gunfight. These are deviant. We do the happy dance every time we arrest one of these. We don't choose to shoot people. They choose for us to shoot them. The local paper produced his podcast for him. And every year, one local TV station makes a video of Judd's most outrageous quotes. Another station once had him on air, apropos of nothing, just to implore people to buy a gun. If you're not afraid of a gun, get one. Become proficient. Get a concealed firearms license and carry it. And if you need to shoot somebody, shoot them a lot. Back in 2016, Judd started thinking about what safety looks like in schools. Had anything happened? Was there an event that caused you to have this idea? Nothing happened locally that caused me to have that idea, but I was watching this trend, and I thought, my goodness, we continue to have these school shootings, and the outcome's the very same because no one is on the campus with a firearm and well-trained to protect our children. And so he creates a program that allows him to arm some faculty at colleges in his county, He calls it the Sentinel Program. Florida law says you can't carry a gun on school property unless you're law enforcement. The Sentinel Program gets around that by making staffers special deputies. Two colleges sign up. And right now, eight employees here carry a concealed firearm every day they come to work. Judd's was the first program to arm college faculty in Florida. 
But none of his deputies actually stop and attack because there have been no shootings at these colleges since he started the program. So even though this raises Judd's profile, it's still a hypothetical whether these armed civilians would help or hurt in an actual attack. And then two years later, Parkland. Breaking news. You might say heartbreaking news. A heartbreaking day in Florida and sadly an all too familiar one. 17 people are now confirmed dead. It's by far the worst school shooting in years. 34 people are shot and 17 are killed. This is the fourth shooting at a middle or high school just this year in 2018. And pretty soon afterwards, a picture starts coming into focus of what actually happened during the shooting. First, the shooter had raised red flags for years, but the FBI didn't follow up on crucial tips. The FBI has determined that protocol was not followed. Then, on the day of the attack, the school police officer who was armed and stationed at the school completely failed to do anything to stop the shooter. The release of surveillance videos and audio, all part of a scathing draft report from a Florida State Commission, shining a light on a host of fateful security missteps. He never even entered the building where the shooting was happening. Cameras showing school resource officer Deputy Scott Peterson waiting outside on his radio instead of trying to stop the gunman. When police from another precinct arrived, they hesitated too. Five minutes go by before police officers even enter the building. A busload of cops show up, but it's too late. Using surveillance footage on a 20-minute delay to try to track down the armed assailant who had already escaped. Despite the fact that there was an armed officer at the high school that day, some politicians and sheriffs argued that what really went wrong had to do with police response time. And they latch on to this idea. Talk's cheap. I got a plan. Sheriff Grady Judd, the week after Parkland. Speaker of the House called me. Richard Corcoran, who at the time was the hyper-conservative speaker of the Florida House of Representatives, calls Sheriff Judd to get his advice for this new school security bill that the House is putting together. And they literally took everything that we had already perfected, and that became the Guardian program. The bill would require that every school in the state of Florida have someone armed at all times, just in case of a shooting. Schools can choose who is armed. They can hire a police officer, or they can follow Judd's lead and let some of their staff and teachers become secret deputies. I recommend a minimum, a minimum, of three to four on a campus. Without uniforms, without students or other staff knowing who's got a gun. Because two is better than one, three is better than two, and four is better than three in the event an active shooter arrives on a campus. The bill names this program after Coach Aaron Feiss, a coach and unarmed security guard who was killed in Parkland. The idea being, if he had been armed, he would still be alive today. And these new armed people... The bill calls them guardians. In the weeks after the shooting, hundreds of students from Parkland and around Florida converge on the Capitol to try and lobby these politicians to make major gun reforms, like banning assault weapons. I go to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, and I was in the mass shooting in the freshman building. And the one thing that I definitely don't want to be returning to school is having my teacher have a gun. So there was some pushback. We had to push uphill 
against teachers, against teachers' unions. Sheriff Judd goes to the Capitol, too, to support arming teachers. These active shooters are exceptionally rare, but they're horrific. So if you want to play the odds, and I don't recommend that with children's lives, you don't need a guardian program or a sentinel program. But the reality of it is statistics don't matter when it's your child or my child. But if we are going to look statistically, children are much more likely to be a victim of gun violence if there's a gun present. And Judd didn't just inspire this bill. Sheriffs play a big role in it. Armed staff would have to train with a Florida sheriff's department, 144 hours of training before they can carry in the school. Cheryl, please call the roll. Rodriguez? The bill passes. But the students do get one thing that they wanted. Teachers cannot carry guns. Principals, librarians, gym teachers, coaches, sure, but not classroom teachers. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, it's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are... New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, and former editor of People magazine Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, the founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. River Cafe Table 4 takes us on a food journey around the world with friends like Paul McCartney. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. So join us at River Cafe Table 4 to hear this brand new podcast all about their memories, their travels, 
and the food they turn to for comfort. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. So that next school year, fall of 2018. Every public school in the state of Florida must have an armed person on campus from starting bell to dismissal bell every day. Rebecca's the director of a charter middle school in North Florida, in an urban district right next to David's rural one. So much of the last couple years have been influenced by Parkland. It's hard to remember what it was like before that, you know, in terms of... We're not giving Rebecca's full name or the name of her school because she doesn't want the details of her security plan to get out. Rebecca's school is a tuition-free public charter. And this is the 7th, 8th grade math classroom. There's flowering trees at the front door and a big yard on one side where students can eat lunch outdoors under pine trees. All of our bathrooms are single-use because we wanted transgender students to be safe here and not. It's a small sort of hippie school, around 100 students. Whether they have had an experience of being bullied in other schools, they can sort of renew their sense of themselves as a learner here. Rebecca, even though she's the director, she's involved in every part of the school. You're going to see me scraping gum. You're going to see me plunging toilets. You're going to see me. We don't have a full-time janitor. We don't have the things that big schools have. So everyone here has to be willing to do whatever's needed to get through the day. So after the Guardian program becomes law, Rebecca is scrambling to figure out who in her school should carry a gun. We haven't budgeted to hire somebody to do this. Are they, they're not funding it? We have to pay for it ourselves? We were definitely asking, can you please just put police officers in our schools now? But hiring a security guard or having a police officer at the school is expensive. A single officer's salary starts at around $50,000 a year. And then when you factor in training, gear, a vehicle, it can cost schools almost $100,000 to keep an officer on campus. Rebecca's school only gets about $10,000 from the state for security. We cannot afford to hire someone to be only safety and security for this school. And that's the only purpose of this position is be a small stopgap between calling 911 and the arrival of law enforcement to try to save some lives in that tiny window. I was resisting, hoping that, you know, something would change. When it got down to my last board meeting before it was kind of make or break, even even my board president just said, I hear you and we hear you and, and we don't love the way this is unfolding, but we can't just ignore the law. You know, you have to you have to comply with the laws. So Rebecca chooses what feels like the safest option. Instead of arming one of her employees, she hires a security guard. This is another consequence of the Guardian program. A lot of schools choose not to hire expensive police officers. Instead, they hire less expensive and less trained security guards. 
To pay the guard's salary, Rebecca has to cut funding for support staff and substitute teachers. So she tells the guard they'll have to be a substitute teacher sometimes, too. Meanwhile, next door, in the more rural district... I own about 75 acres down the road here where I've got my cows. This is David again, who showed me around on the second day of school this year. Sometimes I just go and I just drive up to the fence and I just watch my cows. And that just, that's almost therapeutic, you know. He's very comfortable around guns. And when the Guardian program becomes law, David completely supports it. What do you think about the term Guardian? I think that's I think that's an appropriate term. I really do. You know, we talk about guardian angels, uh, people watching over you, and um, that's exactly what our guardians are here for today. They, they Dozens of staff volunteer and go through the training. If you come into a school with the intent of harming our kids or our staff, then we're going to treat you like a monster. David volunteers, and he becomes one of the first armed staff in his district. That's why we're only using his first name. One of the questions that we have to ask each guardian is, could you shoot someone that you know, a kid that you may know? You might have taught that person in your class. They might be in your class. And can you shoot them? And, and I hate to use those words when we're talking about kids, but this is the reality that we live in. Even though the debate tends to focus on armed teachers, a lot of the time this is what happens. It's administrators and support staff who end up carrying the guns. Can you tell me about your first day that you were in the school and you had your weapon on you? Scary. Scary, because I'm going to tell you why. I walked into a teacher's classroom to observe On the first day of school, the door was unlocked. I walked in. I stood at the back of the classroom, and there was 24 kids in that classroom with their backs facing me. I had a loaded weapon with an extra magazine, several extra magazines, in the back of that class, and that sent chills up my back. Because in that moment, David saw how easy it could be for an attacker to come into a classroom with a gun without anyone realizing it. Simply because... Here I am, I walked into a classroom, and I have a loaded weapon. And what really scared me was, that's probably not the first time that's happened. David's been armed for two years now, and the Guardian program is fully integrated into the school. He talks to all of his new hires about it. When I meet with them at the beginning of the year, I tell them, too, that we have Guardians on campus, and we have people with guns. And if if you're anti-gun, well, that's your view. But if you're going to work here, you're going to know that we're going to have people that are armed and are here to protect you. And he doesn't see any sign of schools going back. The day that we don't have armed staff will be the day that we're 100 percent virtual and people are doing virtual education um, remotely and, and there's no more public school system. In the first year after Parkland, Florida's school districts are split. There's districts like Rebecca's that choose to add more police or security guards. And then there's a few districts like David's that arm some staff. And some districts don't do anything. 
And then in January 2019, this commission that includes parents of Parkland victims, as well as Grady Judd and two other sheriffs, comes out with this new report about what went wrong and how to prevent the next Parkland. And one of their recommendations is that teachers be allowed to carry guns. We're learning some Florida schools may not meet the safety standards now required by the state after the mass shooting in Parkland. They don't have full-time guards or law enforcement officers on campus saying they just can't afford it. Have you all lost your ever-loving mind? The thought is maybe then schools will have an easier time finding someone to arm. Read the next bill. Committee substitute for committee substitute for Senate Bill 7000. The Guardian program goes back to the Florida legislature. This is a voluntary program. That teacher must volunteer. Once again, students protest. The kids came here to this capital, 6,000, 7,000 strong. And what resonated about their coming here was the fact that they said, do not arm my teacher. And here we are creating a pathway to arming teachers. But the bill passes, and now teachers can be armed. We'll be right back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Living leaves a mark on our planet and in our communities, but it doesn't have to leave a scar. At OnPost, we're building a postal and delivery service for the future through Ireland's largest electric fleet, delivering e-commerce with zero emissions. With the Green Hub helping people transform their homes for greener living and services that keep our communities connected and thriving. Living leaves a mark. Together, let's leave one we're proud of. OnPost, for your world. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpuscom forward slash sustainability. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. This is a podcast by fans for fans. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish-language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
So it's the winter of 2020, and for almost two years, Rebecca, the charter school principal, has resisted arming one of her staff. A lot of schools started to just look at their existing staff and say, who who I already know and trust, who already knows my students, who I've already vetted as a reliable, safe conscientious employee is willing to go through this training. She hired a security guard instead, and that solved the problem for a while, but the guards she hires aren't good fits. They want to be cops, not work in schools. So Rebecca lets them go. So in the lead up to the 2020 school year, Rebecca has to figure out what to do now and fast. Because they do um, sort of pop-up checks. You know, the state will come show up unexpected and say, we were here to see your guardian. I just want to make sure you're compliant. And honestly, of all the things since I've been in education and of all the things since I opened the school, this program is by far the one that has the biggest fear-based kind of hold over schools. Fear that if schools don't arm someone, they could get in trouble with the state. Fear that charter schools could even be shut down. One Florida charter school was taken over by the county because they didn't have the required armed personnel. The law isn't totally clear what the consequences are of not complying. Would I just get a slap on the wrist and say, I'm so sorry, it won't happen again? But Rebecca doesn't want to find out. And then, of course, there's this fear. I mean, everything seems driven by a place of all of us should assume at any moment somebody might try to kill us and we should be ready to keep that from happening. And then there's the fear being amplified by sheriffs, politicians, that if there is a shooting, it'll be her fault. The officer who didn't intervene in the Parkland shooting was charged with a felony. And the fear is that armed teachers who don't stop shootings, they could be too. Funny how sometimes you think you have it perfect and then you shoot the gun and it's like, oh, that didn't land exactly on the target where I wanted. But At the beginning of 2020, Rebecca feels backed into a corner, so she makes a decision. It was really nice to see over time how much my accuracy improved. She will be the armed person on campus. So this is a Glock 43X, which is a small version of the Glock 17 that we were training on. It doesn't. It's a few weeks before school starts, and Rebecca is sitting on her couch. There's a happy birthday banner hanging in the doorway, and she's aiming a gun at the little sculptures on her mantle of ballerinas and the Buddha. And then I could aim at these little figurines on the shelf and see. She's dry firing her gun pulling the trigger over and over again without any bullets in the chamber. The person who trained her suggested she do this to practice her aim. A week before I visited, Rebecca bought her gun. She keeps it locked up in a box, in a backpack, in the trunk of her hybrid car. I've had it in my car because it's going to go into the school. I'm just, I just need to buy the safe that I'm going to use to store it at the school. She's got a lot of new gear. The sheriff's department gave the armed teachers and principals like Rebecca a small pouch that clips to their hip. If you have to draw your weapon and possibly use it, you're supposed to open this little pouch and there's like a sash. It's like a pageant ribbon, you know, that's like a Miss America pageant ribbon that goes over your shoulder and it says guardian on it in neon green to make it really obvious. Like, I don't shoot me. I'm 
the person who's supposed to have a gun. It's supposed to identify her as a good guy with a gun, not an attacker. Um, And this is the biggest concern I think law enforcement have, is they're very concerned that they're going to shoot the wrong person if some plainclothes person has a gun on campus. And I don't blame them. I would be scared, too. And I'm scared being the person carrying the weapon. Rebecca and I talked on the phone the day before classes started in late August. So today's Sunday, August 30th. Our students come back for the first time on campus tomorrow. And um, just I'm at school getting getting ready. Doing While she and everyone else in the U.S. education system was figuring out how to adapt to school's weird new coronavirus reality, Rebecca had another worry. It will be her first day in school with a gun. So I... I've been going back and forth about how to wear the gun on campus in a way that's concealed and comfortable and feels safe. She bought a holster for her waist. But um, it's it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. It still feels a little bit strange. She bought an ankle holster, too, one that fits under slacks. She's thinking about a thigh holster for dresses. This is something I have absolutely no guidance on, so I'm having to kind of teach myself, like, um... You know, as I go. And so I did. And then the day before school starts, she decides. The the law doesn't explicitly state a requirement that the gun be on the body of the person who is the school guardian. She gets a gun safe for her office. And so I'm I'm thinking about keeping it, keeping the weapon in the safe loaded where I can quickly access it, but not necessarily be carrying it around. Rebecca has a lot of other things to focus on. Just 25% of her students are coming back in person, and they'll have to wear masks and sit far apart and mostly learn on their computers. After all the new laws and the state money poured into school safety in Florida, no one was prepared for this particular threat. Rebecca's training and her gun don't feel like much use. There's a lot of other things right now that I would like to be able to prioritize. And then it's Monday morning, first day of school, 2020. So I've just walked into my office. I'm checking behind the door where I have a ballistic vest hanging. And then I have a biometric safe that I have installed under my desk that I need to practice every morning, making sure it opens quickly and easily, that my fingerprint opens it or the code that I've programmed. And it has a loaded and charged Glock 43X inside it. And I guess this will become routine just checking that these things are here and ready and working every day. And um, I don't know if this is the new normal. Wish me luck. (laughs) Thanks. Jen, we've now spent three episodes talking about teachers that are carrying guns in schools and the people who train them. Is this the new normal? 
I think that what we see with school safety in general is that schools are really afraid to back down once they've done something. Like, we've seen it with lockdown drills, where we have all this evidence now that kids are really traumatized by them. But no school wants to feel like they didn't do the most that they could do if an attack actually does happen. And so I don't think that every school in the country is going to end up with armed teachers in their classrooms, you know, because this is something that's decided state by state and school district by school district. It's never going to be national policy, but it will slowly slide into normalcy. Um, It already has. So it's kind of like the fact that there are many schools across the country right now that currently have police officers stationed there, right? That has become normal in in a lot of places in this country. Right. And when it was new, when police officers were first being stationed in schools, that was seen as extreme. And now it's something that, you know, we, we do see the negative effects of it, but we don't see it as being unusual. More than half of U.S. public schools has some kind of law enforcement. I don't know. Even police officers in schools still feels really unusual to me, but at least they're wearing a uniform, like you know that they're there. When we're talking about teachers carrying guns, we're talking about civilians in plain clothes. Maybe they're carrying a gun. You don't know. You're, the parents haven't even been told. Like there's so much that we don't know about how this works right now. And that's really uncomfortable. Yes. And this kept coming up as I was reporting on every scale, on a state level, on a national level, and then on a personal level. Do you remember the woman, Belle, that I talked to at the beginning of this episode? Like I said, I'm a huge germaphobe. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so she was uh, the mom who was really worried and surprised that there were teachers at her kid's school that were armed, right? Had they informed me, my kids would have left there last year. Right. So I stopped by her place on my way out of Florida, and we were sitting on her front lawn just kind of talking while she's selling her PPE. And at one point, she gets a call from her boyfriend. So, um... He works in a bigger school district that's not far from where she lives. So he's a teacher. Yeah. And then I leave, and I'm on my way to the airport, and I get a voice memo from Belle that says... So I was just on the phone with my boyfriend and um, I was telling him that I had just recently learned that our school was in fact staffed with um, teachers or, or, or staff that carry guns. And he told me that he was actually one of the gun carriers on the campus that he teaches at and that he's one of several that carry guns and that the students are unaware that they have it. Now, the district that her boyfriend works in, they are not supposed to have armed teachers. The school board voted against it. When I called the head of security for the district, he said, nope, we do not arm our teachers. But here was Belle's boyfriend saying that he had been armed for years. Wow. Yeah, so I I have mixed feelings. Um, I've always known that um, my companion was a registered gun owner. And I guess for whatever reason, I always just assumed that he left it in the glove box when he went to work. I mean, as his significant other, I feel really good that he's able to protect himself 
but um, I still, I would prefer to have been notified and maybe even given an option if I wanted my kid in the class with a teacher that was caring. So how does that work? He's been carrying a gun and his school district doesn't know that? So that's the thing. I can't be sure if what Belle's boyfriend told her is true. He wouldn't talk to me for this show. Belle says that he was worried about blowback from his school. But that's the core of this whole plan to arm teachers. It's the uncertainty. We are supposed to be left guessing. Could someone in any one of these classrooms have a gun and be ready to use it? So we don't know if Belle's boyfriend is definitely carrying. We don't know how many teachers are out there carrying at all. And we don't know how many are bringing their own guns to school and not telling anybody. So it kind of feels like we're in this waiting game where every year there's more guns in schools. And every year there's the possibility that one of these teachers is going to rise to the occasion and become a hero or they're going to fuck up and become a villain. And we're just waiting until sooner or later that gun will go off. Special thanks to Tess Owen and Laura Starcheski, and especially thanks to Annie Aviles, without whom this series wouldn't have happened. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cutrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Sophie Kazis. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Sound design and music composition for Armed by Pran Bandy. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. From iHeart executive producer Mangesh Hatikador and senior producer Nikki Etor. Fact checking by Nicole Pasolka. Legal review by Yoni Berkovitz. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. Security by Rami Galli and Sharbel Namor. I'm Ariel Zimros. I know podcast hosts say this constantly, but for real, please rate and review this podcast. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach the VNR team by emailing us at vicenewsreports at vice.com. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, everywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to check back in next week. A home is something you devote yourself to, both emotionally and financially. So, when it comes to letting, buying, selling, developing or investing, 
Our property experts are always on hand to make every step of the journey as easy and hassle-free as possible. Discover more at Savills.ie. Savills. When you move, we move. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.